we're going to read a passage today, and in there it's, it's going to have this idea of, of exposing the deeds of darkness. So let's, uh, with all that, let's stand. I've got the introduction out of the way. Let's stand and hear God's word, and we'll come back to that in just a moment. So we're going to read two passages, one from Ephesians 4, 17-24, which is the, again the foundation for all these sermons in the passage we've been looking at, and then the, our passage for today in Ephesians 5, 8. So hear now the word of the Lord. Now this I say in testifying the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, due to the hardening, uh, hardness of heart. They have been callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learn Christ, assuming you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Here ends the reading of God's word. Lord God, we ask your blessing again on our time together as your people, in the light of Jesus Christ, and the true light of the world, uh, whose light enlightens every person. Uh, we offer to you the, the reading of your word, the preaching of your word, the hearing of your word, uh, as a sacrifice from our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So before we actually get to this idea of being light uh, and, and exposing the deeds of darkness, because as I was getting at there, um, it's we're supposed to ex- expose the light. Um, it, it, so it seems, according to this, what well, does say? It takes no part in the unfruitful words of darkness, but it so it's exposed them. Raise the question: How are we to do that? Are we to be ones that that berate people from a distance? How about, as you guys pointed out, Thanksgiving's coming up, the holiday dinners and all. By the way, that's one thing you you kiss goodbye when you start working at Disneyland again. You're low on the totem pole. You kiss your Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter. Kiss all those family gatherings goodbye because you're going to be working it because it's a resort. Um, my wife uh, will have the uh, ability to, to take, say, Christmas off or Christmas Eve off, which is great because we have one of our our son's coming back from out of state for that, but you know, I, I know I know what I got into, and that's fine. But it gives me another opportunity. I'm going to be working with a, a lot of other Christians and non-Christians, and, and as somebody pointed out, it's a time, Carl, I think you pointed out, it's a time uh, to, to show our thankfulness uh, and, and explain what, why we have to be thankful. But are we uh, to go to these these family gatherings and but there's a lot of non-Christians there, and expose the deeds of darkness there, you know, point out what they're doing wrong. No, I don't believe that this, this is pastor saying. I'm not saying that you never should go out on the, on the highways and byways and, and, and speak the word of the Lord, um, but that is not the typical way of doing it according to Scripture. 
So let's let's look though at what we what this scripture talks about. We're going to look at darkness first. There's the main outline is pretty much the same as every sermon we've had in this series. It pulls it from Paul. He's on the way he writes in here. He doesn't just tell us what we're to do. He tells us who we aren't, who we are, and in light of that, what we should be doing. And in the same way he does that here. He says, for one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. And then he goes from there. So what does he mean by darkness? Does it just mean that we are, um, are, are uh, as he's mentioned earlier uh, in Ephesians 4, we read this, uh, that we were darkened in our understanding. Um, we were uh, l- like the uh, like the, the rest of the world. Uh, we were living in darkness. Well, that's kind of what it is, but there's a lot more going uh, at work in this passage. Paul, by talking about darkness and light, is driving us back to Genesis chapter 1 in the creation of the world. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he, and he, he, he sets it up, he, he talks about the chaos of the world, and he expresses it in terms of darkness. Or I should say he talks about the darkness and expresses it in terms of chaos. And if you have your Bibles, you can open them up, but I do have a few of the verses here. Um, in Genesis 1, 1 to 5, uh, let's start beginning here, a few, few verses beginning, sorry. It says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Interesting choice of words, formless and void there. Uh, that, that means, it, it doesn't mean it had no substance. It means there was some substance there already. But it was a chaotic environment. There, there, was, there was no real form that you could discern. Um, some people have taken this to, to understand the, uh, the, the uh, I'm trying not to get into the, the creation days themselves. Let's just say that in the, in the day one, at the beginning of this day one, there is some sort of, of a, there's something already there. God is taking something he's already put there that's, that's still in a chaotic form in a sense, and he's bringing form and order to this. And this passage, um, those words are only used the formless and void are only used uh, elsewhere in the in the New Testament. Later in um, the writings of Moses, and I apologize because I didn't write down the actual uh, locations. Uh, but it's we're in Exodus where Paul, or sorry, where Moses talks about the formation of Israel, gathering together as a nation, making them into a a, a fa- not just a family but a, the people of God. And he says that the, the, they found, God found them in a howling wasteland. And it's the same terminology, uh, the formless, void, wasteland. Um, and he's looking at, at, at the, the desert that they're in right there. He's brought them out of Egypt, out of that kind of that darkness, but they yet weren't formed as a people. And he formed them into his people. They're already something there, but he turned them into something that, that they weren't before. And 
the other expression um, where it says the Spirit of God hovered the, over the face of the deep right after that in Genesis 1, um, sorry. Um, darkness over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. That word for hovering there, he, he says in the same passage, and, and God hovered over them like an eagle hovers over its nest. As if ever, ever seen a, and I, I'm not sure if it's hovering right before it lands, but it's poor, more like it hovering, you see an eagle, um, they, they, there's usually, uh, if there's a nest and an egg, we my watch, we're kind of watching this online, there's some different bald eagle sites that, that watch these things, and there's always one at the nest, but there's always one nearby, as it seems, kind of watching over, or if the nest is empty, there's one circling around this guy's watching to make sure that nothing um, uh, uh, attacks the nest. Well, it's the same thing, it's that same word, but it was the Spirit of God hovering. So what we get here is a picture of God coming to create, and the Spirit of God, which is the throne of God, it's not just some fluttering bird kind of hovering over, it was the, the very, very presence of God coming over in his great power to create something, something amazing. And what Paul, I'm sorry, keep going, Paul. What uh, Moses is referring to is when the Spirit of God came over the Mount Sinai, which is what they're looking at. They're in the desert and they see Mount Sinai, they're they're right near it. And the the Spirit of God, the holiness of God comes down, the Shekinah glory comes down, and it comes in in lightning and thunder and the the roaring wind and and the the sound is of a trumpet blast and the people just have to cover the ears. It's It's so awesome. That's what he's talking about, the Spirit of God coming to do a creative act. And when he does that, he brings order. That's the first thing he does is he brings light. He exposes the darkness. He exposes what is in there. And, and he creates an environment that, that more creative activity can be done. And we find out that he creates light in general, but he also creates the sun, the moon, and the stars. And, and to not get into... Genesis 2 much, Genesis 1, but there is a pattern going on. The first three days, as people have pointed out, that God to, uh, uh, God creates the, the realms, the, the kind of the workshops, if you will, his workshops, and in the next four, three days, four, five, and six, he, create, he creates the, those who would fill that. So he, the first three days are formed, then the next three days are filling. Or, as people point out, there are realms and rulers, uh, kingdoms and kings. And the clue to that is when we go to um, Genesis um, uh, 1, 16 to 18, day 4, it says, And God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. So there was a purpose. It was to, to delineate the light from the darkness, but it was also to rule. To pro- now, the idea of ruling here, if you think about what the sun and the moon do, is they, they provide life during the day and light during the night. Of course, the light during the day is... is day is light. You know, there, we, we don't need an extra light. We've got the sun. We take it for granted, but it is a light up there showing light in, in, in the celestial sphere we're in. I mean, this uh, cel- with the sphere and the celestial body, so the celestial environment that we're in. Because you go away from our solar system, there is no light. Right? So, so 
he's not getting that deep, but, but he's saying they, they, they provide rulership in the sense of structure and order and the ability to work at, at night. So, so that kind of tells us what light is. Um, light is the, um, actually I have that a little bit later in here, in your notes I think. Um, oh, by the way, I, I, I had a few extra notes. It's longer outline than you normally get. I, I keep throwing some of my, my notes in there. Um, it's, oh, regulate. It's something that regulates and brings life, is what light is. So when he talks about darkness, you were once darkness, or he talks about the rest of the world in darkness, doing the deeds of darkness, he has that in mind. He has that chaos, that unorder, that, that something that's, that's bad in itself because it doesn't have, it's not regulated, it doesn't have warmth, it's useless, it, it doesn't serve any purpose. And, and so at, and after the fall, darkness came to mean a return to a state of chaos, a lack of light, a lack of order, lack of rulership. In other words, sin, lostness, something in need of redemption. And it became associated with the denial of the rulership of the one true God who sees all and judges all. In Isaiah 29, uh, 15 and 16, talking about uh, people who live in darkness, he says this, Ah, you who hide deep from the Lord your own counsel, who deeds are in the dark, and who say, Who sees us? Who knows us? You turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing sh should made should say of its maker, He did not make me? Or the thing formed say of him who formed it, He has no understanding? What we see here is that sin brings with it a warping of who God is and God's purposes for us. You ever notice that about that Christians who live in sin or, or I mean, who are, who are kind of falling away, they always justify their actions. Or, or Christians who are living lifestyles that we as conservative Christians, evangelicals, would not approve of, they call themselves Christians. They always try to find some way to rationalize what they're doing, some Bible verse they twist to work. But what they're doing is denying what God has really said, and they, they don't want to confront it. They're, they're twisting it and, and, and saying, that's not really, your God isn't really the God that I believe in, or the God that, a God of love. They always go back to that. He's a God of love. He's accepting me no matter what I do. Well, there's that, that darkness. It's, it's a denial of, of the true the true God, the true creator God. But it goes deeper than that it, because it, it, it leads to things that are deeper than that. It leads to a denial of the very person of God. And we see that in uh, Isaiah 47, uh, 10 to 11. And this is talking about um, the uh, ruler of Babylon and uh, ultimately about uh, Satan behind it. But he says, you've felt secure in your wickedness. You say, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray, and you said in your heart, I am, and there is no one beside me. It, so, as darkness became associated with the, the denial of the very existence of God. And I, it pains me, I've got a, a very close family member who lives a lifestyle that, you know, 
don't approve of. It's something that um, kind of goes against his upbringing. And many of you know these kind of people. Um, and and they, lived, they started on this path kind of justifying their actions, kind of ignoring God. It gets to the point where they actually deny God. He's no longer, he says, I don't believe in God anymore. And isn't that the way of the world? They just don't believe in God. And I work with so many people like that. They, they're proudly atheistic, and it shows up in their lives. It's not, it's, I, I don't know a lot of people that are atheists, true atheists, and don't have some sort of a deviant lifestyle. And, and, and celebrate that. And that's what darkness is. And Paul is contrasting that. That's what he wants us to see when he says, you were light and Lord, you're not that. So why do you want to go back and do those things? All the things he mentioned before about lust and anger and, 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 and every kind of impurity in the passages we read before. He says, you're light in the Lord. You, you've been changed by his light. And that's what's interesting. He says, doesn't say you're not, he says, um, now you are light. You've been changed, but he says something interesting. He says, now you are light in the Lord. Well, let me wrap up that last one, uh, that last section. Uh, and it's, so, um, oh no, I forgot something. Let me, let me finish this thought. Sorry, this, this late nights, I gotta, I gotta work on my schedule with these late nights are uh, throwing me off here. Um, something about this passage, Satan is always looming over this like a, like a dark cloud. It isn't just darkness on our own. By leaving God, we've become associated with the God of darkness. Now, last week, I think it was we sang, um, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and Luther uh, used that phrase, The Prince of Darkness Dim, We Tremble Not For Him. No, no the, the Prince of Darkness Grim, We Tremble Not For Him. And, and if people have pointed out there's no such phrase in the scriptures as the, the Prince of Darkness. But he doesn't exactly quoting it, but he's putting some things together. And I've got a few of the verses here uh, in, the, in the passage. Uh, Ephesians 2, 1 and 2, uh, he says, in, uh, in, in, You're dead in your trespasses and sin, and once you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now in the work of disobedience. Paul later in Ephesians, towards the end, kind of wrapping this up, he says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. So that's what he is doing. He's, he's calling him the God of this world, the, the prince of, the, of darkness. He's one of the, the rulers of darkness. He is the main ruler of darkness. And, and Paul knows this very well. I mean, this is his calling, is to call people from light uh, out of this darkness into the light of Christ. Because when Jesus... Re, uh, uh, meets him on the road to Damascus and blinds him with, with the, his brightness. He says to this, when Paul says, you know, who, who are you? And he explains who he is, and he says, I am sending you, Acts 26, he said, I'm sending you, Paul, to open, or Saul, actually, at the time, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. So that's the other thing we have to remember all the way through this is that when we turn away from God, when we, we purposely live in, in the darkness of our former lives and doing the dark things, we're giving in to the, to the prince of darkness grin. We're, we're, uh, we're, 
we're saying what the world is saying. We're saying that either one of three things, God is, is not who he says he is, or his word is flawed, so his word is not, you know, his, by saying his word is flawed, we're saying he's not who he says he is, that his word is not flawed, his word is perfect, his word is, shall accomplish all it shall accomplish, not return to avoid. We're either saying that, or we're saying to, to ourselves and to others, I, I don't believe in God. We're not saying it by our words, we're saying it by our actions. And we're ultimately saying to the world, I agree with you, that we're under the authority of Satan. That's how horrible it is. And that's why Paul keeps going back to these things. But then Paul says, or then Jesus says, well, I'll just leave that verse alone there. Um, uh, no, I'm going to the next one. So we're not to be uh, involved with sinful actions to talk the world around us because those actions say that we are not accountable to create the Creator. Uh, we call God's word a lie, and we deny the very existence of God. But who are we then? If we're not darkness, who are we? We're light. He doesn't say you're just light. He says you're light in the Lord. And he, he points out that, that, that a light has shined on us, the light of Christ, the one that we read the scriptures on, the promised light that God would bring into the world, darkness of the world. And I've got several passages. Isaiah 60 points to that. We read one, uh, another one earlier in our... Uh, our, our uh, confession of faith. So Isaiah 60. But then Jesus brings this around and saying this about his own life in John 8. He says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So it's, it's light. Jesus has come in fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures to bring light, order, rulership into the chaos of this world. And he's calling on people that see that light to respond to that. But not only that, he takes those very people that were wretched, angry, um, uh, rebellious people and turns their, that ugly darkness into light itself. He says in Matthew 5, you are the light of the world. Uh, a city set on the hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father is in heaven. So what he's calling us to do, uh, and I, I left out another, uh, another verse in there um, in, in Genesis, I'm sorry, in Matthew 5, where he says, you are the light of the world. He's saying that our light is in a sense derivative. We're, we don't have a light of our own it's, there's a passage later in, in, our, in Ephesians 5 where it's kind of weird it says, Paul says, but when anything is exposed by the light it becomes visible and, and then he says um, he's talking about us being light and there's that idea and the Old, the Old Testament rabbis used to talk about this um, or the rabbis talk about the Old Testament is the idea that when the light shines in something it becomes light itself and, and actually that's true, right? Um, you think about the, the moon the moon is not light in itself but it's a reflector of the light and I believe we sometimes think the ancients were stupid and they didn't understand things like that that, that the moon was not its, its own light but it was reflecting of the sun they think that somehow the, the Jews and all these people just would worship the moon as its own thing the people around them did, they had the moon god but it was a lesser god 
It would, but the, the, the moon god was always derivative of the greater, the sun god. And people understood that the, pardon me, that that's, um, that's, that's the moon. And, and there's a passage in Isaiah, um, you know, in Psalm 89, in, in uh, God talking about uh, establishing the throne of David forever, and he swears by two things. He swears by the sun and by the moon. And he says this. He says, um, I've sworn by my holiness I will not lie to David. His offspring shall endure forever. His throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. He calls the moon a faithful witness. A faithful witness of what? Well, a faithful witness that the day will come. That moon is always there at night. Sometimes you see it during the day, but it's a it's a witness that that there's that it's a witness because it's reflective of the sunlight itself. That the sun, as long as the moon is shining, the sun is shining somewhere else. I believe they understood that. I believe they understood that there was that the sun and the moon were somehow connected. By the way, that 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 shadow that's cast on the moon, that that that's circular. That's how they knew that the earth was round. When you're, when you're down on the, on the earth, you don't see the curvature of the world. It's, people point out that to really see the curvature of the earth, you need to be high up, like in an airplane, or, or be up on, uh, on one of the tallest mountains to really see the curvature of the earth. But they call, the Old Testament calls the, it talks about God inscribing a circle on the face of the deep. They knew the world was round. It, what, they, it wasn't just some flat for talks about the four corners, but that's something different. So when God is talking about the moon being a witness, it's a faithful witness of the light to come. And that's the witness that we're to be. When we're Christ's witnesses, we're witnesses of the true light. So walking as children of light, that's the idea. We're supposed to be walking in the light of God, bearing fruit as the light brings light into, into, onto crops and brings fruit. But also, that's the, that's the other phrase Paul uses, that um, um, walk as children of light, bearing fruit in the things we do. But he's also talking about being the witness of God. So we were once darkness, we're now in Christ, we're set apart to be witnesses of Christ, the true light, the true and perfect witness of the Father. I want to wrap this up. I'm sorry about taking this much time. But so that's who, what, what we, who we aren't is, is darkness, who we are is light, and what we do, we show the light by proving what is pleasing to the Lord. One phrase I want to look at real quick, and where it says, so walk as children of light and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. It's not really an and there. There's a parenthesis, which says the fruit of the light is found in all good and right and true. Um, in other words, the, what the light does is expose what is good, what exposes what is light and true, but also brings crops that bring out fruit. But, he, but it really is, Walk as children of light, trying what to discern what is pleasing the Lord. And it's not the sense of, boy, I really hope I can figure this out. I wish there was a way to do what God really wanted in my life. Um, and that way a lot of Christians live. We live, what does God really want me to do? Try to discern that. No, it's not that. It really has the idea, and I've got this in your notes. It really means... Uh, it's the word dokimazo. It means to put to, proof. put to proof. Put to the proof. 
It means to try to discern. It's the idea of testing something by fire or by any means. In this case, it's by any means necessary. It's to put truth to truth. It's to put a visible proof to the truth. So it is something gold? How do you determine if it's truly gold? Well, you, 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 you find it by fire. If it's truly gold, the, 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 is it the dross will, will float off and you'll, you'll have the pure gold. It won't be some fool's gold. It won't be, and only what is left will be the, the, the purest of gold or the alloy that the more you purify it. Not trying to get into the physics of that, but that's the idea. It's, 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 it's the notion of proving a thing whether it's worthy or not. So he's asking us to take the word of God, all the commands he's given us before, and the very word of God from front to back, put those things into practice and prove the truth of God's word. And we're to do it by fire. It's not something that's supposed to come easy. If we're going to fail, when we do it. And that's the idea. When we walk as children of light, it means put those things into practice and understand that we're under the rulership of God. He brings order in life and and we understand that we're never going to make it on our own or be perfect in those things. We're to try it by fire. And that's what he's calling us to do. So we're, we're to, how do we expose, it goes to the question, how do we expose the deeds of darkness? By proving what is true. We prove the truth, not the lie. And, and Peter says something similar um, in... Um, in his passage, and, oh, and I'm sorry, and I don't have this in your, uh, my Bible. Oh, thank you. I said it there so I wouldn't forget it. And so it's First Peter chapter three, and I'm gonna I'm gonna end with this because I think this kind of brings up the sense of it. In First Peter three, uh, Peter talks about suffering for the sake of righteousness. He really talks about suffering for the things we do that is right, because he's the, like Paul, calling people to, to to live in the Lord, to do what is right, to do the the, the things of sac- self sacrifice. As well as the things that you know, the Ten Commandments do, those things are right. Let's go above and beyond, not to, to participate with the world. And he says this in First uh, Peter three thirteen: For who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But if, even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, what with gen- yet with gentleness and respect. Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. What he's saying there is our, our good behavior will bring mocking, it will bring pain on us because we won't do the things they want us to do. They, they get mad at you for not going along with you, with you. I tell you how many times that people have gotten mad at me at work, just boggles my mind, for I'm trying to, to do what the training says, the policy says, and people that have been there a long time want to take shortcuts and not do those things, so you, they see you doing it, they'll come up to you and say, no, you shouldn't be doing this. You know, you're, you're, you're working too hard, you've got, to, you've got to slow down because you're making the rest of us look bad, or you're making us work. Uh, My first response is, I'm getting paid to work, aren't you? And he says, no, I've worked here long enough. I don't feel like I get paid to work, you know. I can just, it's like, what? And and they get mad at you if you continue to do it. So he says, says, don't worry about those things. He says, set apart Christ in your hearts. That's the idea, setting him apart as holy. To to understand, 
Jesus is our God. He's the creator God. He's the one that rules us, and we're accountable to him, not to everyone else. And then he says, continue to do what's right. That was the answer. He says, so when they're going to ask you for the hope that is within you, that's how we get people's attention. It's not screaming it on a corner. It's working alongside these people, doing what is right, living alongside these people, and doing what is right. So at some point, they're going to come and say, well, I've observed you for so long. How can you stay sane in the midst of this chaos of this world? Or they're seeing you going through something, your brother going through something, you going through something with, with pain and with this surgery, a possible cancer. People are going to ask you, how do you deal with those things? Why is your life falling apart? And you, you point them to the one who is the light. Realizing that what they see in you is just a reflective light. It's hope in a darkened world. It's a witness. It's, it's a faithful witness of the light that is to come in their lives. And that's the idea. These people that lived back then in many of these cities in, in, in the ancient Near East and, and in Greece and in Ephesus and Turkey where Paul is writing, they didn't live like we live with, with big boulevards and big backyards and you know, tens and twenty of feet between houses and houses that were built smartly with no, no, no windows that kind of look out on the neighbors, you know. They live on, on top of each other. It's more like living in, in, in apartment complexes, huge apartment complexes. They're just built right next to each other. They could hear each other. See, they'd see each other all the time. See, your life was not hidden at all. I mean, parents, you know what I mean? You know, um, you know, uh, you, 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 you had to be very discreet about things you did. Because people could hear and, uh, you and see you. Um, there were some, even in the most luxurious of places, there was under some things I was reading about, and, and in these great cities, that some of the houses, real houses that were separate, were only like four to five feet away from each other, just enough to kind of, you know, slide down between the houses, a little pathway. That's, that's the way we're to understand we're living in the world that people see us and hear us and we're, our lives are to be witnesses to the very truth of God. So that's what Paul is talking about here. That's what we're to do. Uh, we're not to be our own light. Have no fear. Um, but we are to be the light of God. A light of God in a world of darkness. And we, do, we live by purposely working out God's word in our lives in obedience to and humble dependence on Christ, the true light of the Father. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you once again that you have given us so much um, in your word that uh, explains uh, for us and to us and applies for us um, how these things we call the, the law, the Ten Commandments, are being carried out. We just thank you so much for your Apostle Paul who, uh, whose words continue to live on in life because they're the, your words, the power of your spirit, uh, changing us, enlightening us, helping us to discern, um, to understand what is pleasing to you. And now that we are beginning to understand those things or, or we, more and more as we, we approach your word, we pray that you would give us the, the, the strength by your Holy Spirit to truly put those things into practice, to, to prove you to be right in our own hearts and the hearts of others around us. And, and in doing so, that we, that we may show to one another the true light of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the, 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 the one who is the answer to the world in darkness. 
and, and that we pray that for the people that we're in contact with that they would tr- truly see the light of Christ in us and tr- turn to the true light, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen.